Uh, supposedly, I'm. Who knows I'm if too you're quiet, listening at so. all? Yeah. Okay, so we are the art broadcast. This is. This is. Well, you're it's us. To. Yeah. Okay. We are. I'm like, okay. we're, it's like we're a girl band. I know. I like it. We are the art broadcast. Um, okay. I'm Rebecca Mancia. Your. Why? One name. Do we have to continue to say our? Fault? The artist formerly known <laughs> as <laughs> Clarita. That is I. Clarita. Clarita. Um, so this is the art broadcast where we discuss female artists and how underrated they are and we appreciate their work and their life and, um, just their different levels of badassery. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. Um. So today. Today. Today we're going to talk about a German, should we, should we. You can say, Yeah. Jean. Jean or Jean Memen. Let me say Jean. We're going to say Jean, okay? It Jean could be Memen. Jean. It could be. It's very um, plausible, but... If you... We've said it once. We've said it a thousand times yeah. that... Um, we we don't know much. <laughs> we don't know anything at all. So... Um, so, welcome to this ride. Right, right, I right. don't know. Welcome, welcome. So, <clears throat> Jean Memen. So, she was a German painter... Um, Painter, illustrator. Right. It's like woke for her time. So she was born in Berlin in November 21st, on November 21st, 1890. And she died April 22nd, 1976. Uh, She was born in Berlin. She died in Berlin. She spent some time other places. um, But she was in Germany for while the shit was being stirred. So like all you history people out there that know your math, you know that she was there for most of the juicy shit that went down. The juice, yeah. In Berlin, in terms of the Berlin Wall, um, throughout World War II. II, The um, Berlin bombings, yeah. So she was pretty present. So she was born in Berlin, but she moved um, when she was very young. Uh, Mm -hmm. She grew up in Paris. So she moved when she was five, and she didn't come back to Berlin until her 20s. Um, But she spent the rest of her life there. Um, So she grew up with, like, pretty affluent um, parents. Yeah, they were merchants. They were merchants. In France. Um, They were pretty wealthy, but... Surprise, surprise, they lost all their shit um, during, at the, during the breakout war. of yeah. World War One, Which a lot of Germans did at yeah, the time. Yeah, they were effectively kicked out of France. Mm-hmm. Um, they moved to Holland, and then that's sort of where her parents stayed. And then she and one of her sisters moved to Berlin. Right. But before that, she had studied art in Paris and in Brussels. Um, I think she was really influenced by her time at the Academy des Bois. Beau Arts. Books? Boo. Oh, Boo Arts. There we go. Um, in Brussels. Uh, and she also studied in Rome. But so she, at, during this period, she was pre-1916, she was pretty influenced, heavily influenced by Art Nouveau and like, yeah. the decadent movement. Mm-hmm. ETC. So she was definitely present for the movements, you know? Yeah, she she was a product of her time, definitely, in a lot Mm -hmm. of ways. Um, Mm -hmm. And she... So so two paintings from this period are, wow, just can we (laughs) take a second? We're going to post them on the Instagram. One of them in particular. Yeah. Yeah. Which is at the Art Broadcast. At the Art Broadcast. Um, 
so one of them in particular is from 1916 is just called Death. Mm-hmm. And it's a woman. So it's like a female torso with a skull. And she has like a crown of roses. But she's wearing like Death's cloak. And then there's a guy like kneeling, I think begging for his life. Yeah. It's so like... Picture the Reaper, like, you know. But with tits. Yeah, like, basically, <laughs> with tits, though. Like, in a cross, and there's, like, a man on the ground. It's, it's cool. This is very cool. Yeah. It has very Salvador Dali elements right. to it. Um, so, again, like, she's very present with the movements. She's, like, super academic with her work, so she is following the trends. Uh, but, like, her performances are just, like, super breathtaking. Yeah. Like, what is the material on this it looks like watercolor Watercolor, yeah yeah. so her use is it's a very neutral palette but it's so rich and wow heavy-handed and (laughs) there's a contrast because like the you know the pseudo reaper he well she she, um the torso is so like pale and white yeah white and like the contrast is is pretty dope yeah um yeah, and, like, really nice, mm-hmm. like, fluid colors. Yeah, it's cool. But then before this, in 1914, she created a, a very similar piece. Right. Um, but this piece is actually super Art Nouveau. Right, um, a little bit more. With the yeah, costume elements. Very, like... It, you can tell that there's more of a fashion influence to mm-hmm. it. So when you look at these two pieces side by side... It's crazy. Made, like, two years apart while she was still studying. So the second one, um, Woman on the Cross from 1914, is a woman, a crucified woman, but she's, like, crucifixion but make it fashion. Like, but it's like, very... <laughs> picture Vogue. Like, crucifixion Vogue. Like, no bullshit. Like, this bitch has a gown She's on, coming in. And she has a fan. Like, one of those, like, like legitimate fashion fans. Like, she literally Which has Which I a think fan. is a comment on... Yeah, you know, the yeah. Commodity. Like, it... But, like, these two pieces side to side are hilarious <laughs> Very to different. Because they're so different. The subject matter is very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, the execution yeah. is just, like, night and day. Um, So she's obviously painting, creating pieces with a lot of female subject matter. Which, okay, so in both of these, I think, even though the woman is being crucified, she's still portrayed in a position of power. Oh, like, yeah. the way she's on that cross is like, yeah, yeah, bitch, I'm she's up like here. Bad Don't ass. come for me. Right. I'm, I'm fine. She's like, fuck And it. there's a guy, like, crying in the bottom half of this. Like, wailing. Yeah, like, like holding like, his head and bent oh, backwards. Yeah. So, in both of these compositions, even though they are very different, it's a woman who's a central, powerful figure and a man mm-hmm. cowering in fear in some way or another. So, but, like, for a little context wow. for us <laughs> art historians, like, 1940 1916, like female empowerment, like subject matter, like this. Yeah, this is an early indication of her later work. Yeah, absolutely. for sure, for sure, for sure. And I think how she thought about herself and her fellow women. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she, which we'll get to. We'll we get to. Wink, him. wink, nudge, nudge. Her, we'll yeah, she was to close that. to him. She was uh, close. <laughs> so yeah, heavy symbolism. <laughs> um, but yeah, so at the outbreak of the war, um, the French government seized all of Mimen's father's possessions, and then the family had to flee. And so her and her sister Mary Maria Louise were alone in Berlin on their own for the first time, even though they were in their late twenties, early thirties. Yeah. 
they were like him. Which is common for women at that time. Yeah. You know. There was a lot of, uh, a lot, men were off at war yeah. and no one had any money mm. and it was, like, yeah, no. Yeah. Especially. Women were left to fend for themselves. So fragile. And so fragile. And delicate. Um, so they both tried to make, um, a, earn a living with the artistic training that they received in, you know, their in Paris and in Brussels and in Rome. And so they, Maria Louise started as an illustrator and then moved into office work. And then Mamen kind of scraped what she could, struggled a lot um, during this time. um, She was pretty unimpressed with, like, Berlin. Yeah. She, I mean, to be fair, uh, Berlin is not, like, the shiniest. It's not considered one of, like, the, yeah, it's, like, It's a city that has been through a lot. Right. And so she, she called it dark, cold, and buttoned up. So it's obvious that she was trying to explore more of, you know, the art world, and she didn't feel very satisfied with what was happening in Berlin at the time, naturally. She felt like an outsider. Right. I think she had more to say than what was, than the platform that was given to her in Berlin, I think. Right, yeah, she couldn't, it was difficult for her to find work as an illustrator during mm-hmm. this time. Um, Especially as that. a woman as well. Right, like it's, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah, so in 1922, um, the men who was 32 at the time, no, yeah, 32 at the time. Um, she had only been published a handful of times. Um, and she was, but then she started doing like cinematic posters. And then she was, she was gaining a little bit more acclaim. Um, and she was doing cover work and illustrations for the multiple magazines in Berlin and in German culture at the time who were. Uh, well, we'll get to that later. Yes, but, um, (laughs) so a couple years later, she's kind of hit her, a little bit more of her stride. Her illustrations are featured in multiple weeklies and satirical magazines, um, and these magazines were publishing, like, what they would call employee culture at the time, and it was booming in Berlin because there were so many young unemployed women and men in Berlin, and it was, Berlin was very Americanized, very modern, and it was the center of Germany. Um, so, because there was, there was such a wealth disparity, like, money was the most important thing to the, the bourgeoisie, the fucking middle class, and then the lower class were seen as nothing. And so, because Mamen spent so many years as a struggling artist and a struggling young woman, I think she felt a lot of compassion for her fellow women and her fellow downtrodden poor. Right. And, um... She's a lesbian. She was a lesbian. And she's, like... Pretty pretty badass. She's yeah, she's pretty great. Yeah, she is pretty great. So obviously her subject matter is very like heavily influenced on this subject, and obviously the Germans and the Nazis were not a fan. Right, they weren't they weren't Should into it. We and this is really like the beginning. So like after, after the interwar period, the the time between World War One and World War Two, like was just everything was up in the air everything was becoming like more and more sexualized especially in berlin there was a lot of women in sex work mm-hmm. and in working in bars and going out by themselves and like there was a whole subculture mm-hmm. of the lgbtq plus community mm-hmm. and the mainstream media took on a voyeuristic approach to this and really exploited the rest of the culture's obsession with that and Mm -hmm. sort of, like, 
gawking at them. Right. And so Mamen illustrated for these magazines who were exploiting the subculture that she was a part of, which I think is interesting. And I think that she always made that clear. It was like... I'm a lesbian. These are my people. Like, right. the, anyway, the way that she depicts. Yeah, and so, they're, you know, she's dressing in suits. Like, they're yeah. doing the whole nine. Yeah, the bobbed haircuts. Yeah, the, the super thin The top hats. Yeah. Like, they, um, she really wanted to be, like, free to express her individuality. Yeah. Which was pretty, pretty cool. rare. But the only way she could do it was through this... <laughs> Like, commodification of her own identity, which Mm -hmm. I think was kind of troubling to her. Right. Um, But she was was able to move between the the lower classes and the middle classes pretty easily of the West neighborhoods and the East neighborhoods. She would go to the seedy bars and the dance halls, but then also to these, like, high-profile parties and whatever. Um, But... I don't know. I think she does a great job of, like, still portraying her truth with while playing to the masses, you know? Because they were satirical magazines. Yeah, like, she, like, you, should we go go into the next piece? Yeah, we can go into the next piece. Um, So she's creating these illustrations that visually are pretty stunning. Um, Still within the Art Nouveau. This Very 1920s. Yeah, super 1920s. The the coloration is pretty, it's a pretty simple Heavy outline, super sketchy. Yeah, yeah. Um, Um, And it's depicting this piece in particular, which is is from 1928. We're talking about this one, right? mm -hmm. Um, Published in Simplicimus. Right, published in a German um, journal. Um, is depicting a woman kind of as the centerpiece, but she's very what society would consider masculine. She's wearing, like, suit pants, um, you know, uh, a kind of very modest buttoned-up uh, long sleeve shirt, and then she has, like, this black top hat. But and in the contrast, she's wearing this... She's also very feminist. She, feminine. She has a uh, red lipstick. Um, she's very clearly wearing makeup. Her stance. Her yeah. hands are on her hips, and yeah. she's owning. It's a very flirty image and in the background you kind of see only women um, and these women are dancing one of the women behind her kind of kind of has like salaciously has her hand on her shoulder um, you know implying that like you know implying you know, you know they're implying gonna dance they, together they're gonna dance together and this is a self portrait and this is a selfie and <laughs> It's, I really like this. Yeah, one. it's a great one. This yeah. is one of her, I think, most I think well-known it's, Yeah, works. exactly. I think that this image is an image that perhaps other artists, art historians, or art interests people, or whatever. Um, whoever you are. Whoever. Whoever you identify um, I as. think you may have seen this before, or maybe you haven't. Maybe you haven't. Who gives a shit? But Listen, if we're talking, like, talk about underrated. Wow. I know. I mean, like, no one. Literally. She's She's great. Like, what, when do you hear of, like, a woman in, like, the ninth, like, oh, as, wow. as deep in Germany. A self-identified lesbian. Like, what? Making like, success. Successful illustrations yeah. for mainstream Being magazines. featured, like, in 1928. No, like, nothing. Men, men. Jean Memen, okay? Remember this chick. <laughs> um, so yeah, so she's, so she's depicting these, like, dance halls and bars, and then she's also depicting typical female working worlds. So yes. Yeah. Another one. Yeah, so she was depicting, like... 
dance halls and like a little less explicit, a little more fun, a little more flirty. And then we come to free room, which is like they're women in, in like scantily clad. I don't know how else to say that, but they're not wearing much in the way of clothing. Not and they're much at all. Apparent, they're just like waiting at a stall, like smoking cigarettes for people to come by to pay them. Wicked eye contact. So much eye contact. It's really intense. The boobs are there. I love it. I love the cleavage. Yeah, it's super raw. Yeah. I, but it's like very um, tasteful at the same time. Well, she, so she was depicting these women as her allies. Yeah. She felt she was part of this like, downtrodden group of people who, like, really owned who they were. Like, mm-hmm. sh- they're in sex work, and they're not a- they're not afraid to say it. And, yeah, so, like, she would do this with, like, Czech girls and waitresses and bartenders. A lot of her work is, like, um, like, people behind counters, and the- all the customers are, like, have, like, smug looks on their faces. Mm-hmm. Like, she was-, she was an ally of the working woman. Yeah. Which I love. Mm-hmm. Love it. Mm-hmm. Such a badass. Um, yeah, so now we can talk. It was made the year before. Yes. Um, so but this is more about, like, her relationship to Berlin as opposed to right, her relationship right. with so, other women. So, like, along with, like, along with painting a lot of um, women and in their, you know, natural element, their natural work environment, she did also pay attention to um, the streets of Berlin. Um, and that becomes, like, a really big subject matter for her, too. I mean, in 1929 in Berlin, uh, you know, a lot was going on. Um, And the streets of Berlin, obviously, you know, were flooded with working women. And she was depicting that a lot in her pieces. Um, And so in 1929, she did a piece called Berlin Street. And pretty simply, it's it's just... uh, um, The centerpiece of a magazine. It was the centerpiece of of a magazine because it perfectly depicted the working, the everyday work as the everyday workings of, like, a typical day in Berlin. Right, which is, like, what you would see walking yeah. down the street. Yeah, and the the style, she definitely has a style. She definitely um, sticks to the trend of the time, for sure. Like, watercolors, yeah. like, thick yes. outlines, but super mm-hmm. sketchy. Mm-hmm. Sharp lines, um, like, very, very little color Restrained, palette. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Restrained it's, color. It's very academic. I still feel like this is super academic. I don't think that, like, I think she she lets loose like later on. She refers to her work during this time, her commercial work, mm-hmm. her work for illustrations, mm-hmm. commercial. Yeah, like she doesn't consider them yeah. her real practice. Right, right, right. Which I disagree. I think they're beautiful. And no, they're, very they're cool incredible. And, very important. and her execution is insane. Like the woman can paint. Like there's no denying it. Oh like, yeah, she she is and a talented person. Paint something that's interesting. Yeah, and thought provoking. Yeah, even even a simple subject matter like a, the the streets of Berlin. Like yeah. you know, like she still you know finds her own stylized way to make it look like her yeah and she so in this scene you can see like the skyscrapers and you can see a double-decker bus and then it's like a it's a very crowded scene but Mm -hmm. it's still very orderly yeah there's a lot going on but you can still see pretty much every yeah you can see yeah and you can see every element 
in this piece. Nothing is really, like, hidden or you, you can see it. And there's, yeah, so there's a couple, a woman woman in the foreground, like, smoking and drinking, and they're of the higher class, and then tourists are kind of, like, walking by yeah, and eyeing like them. like, the hustle and bustle is mm-hmm. going down. Yeah, she's definitely talking about the bourgeoisie. Right. Um, and, like, keeping the two spheres of, like, the higher class and the, yeah. the tourist sector. She, like, bounces from the two subjects, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the same in the same scene, which is pretty impressive. Yeah, I love it. Um, but yeah, humans as there's a lot of fashion still, they're still kind of objects in this. Like they're not I, don't I mean know. there's a chair. There's a lot of there's a chair, <laughs> there's, there's a wallet, there's, there's a, a hat fur there. shawl. She really she got it. She she's, got it. She's she has captured it. <laughs> there's a chair. <laughs> yeah. um, Her chairs all look the same too. Um <laughs> has like a Berlin chair is I guess. Yeah. All right. So what next? So uh, in nineteen twenty-nine, the Great Depression really it really hits home, mm-hmm. and um, the truth of the city is really exposed. Mm-hmm. The underprivileged mm-hmm. um, always assumed that if they worked hard, I mean, <laughs> welcome to America, hey. too. Right now, yeah, like well, everyone told you that if you worked really hard for your dreams, they'd come true. But you know what helps? Money. Yeah. So, yeah, so the Great Depression really made this a very clear, like yeah. the class distinctions very stark mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and also the distinctions between like the sub subculture of the LGB, lgbtq mm-hmm. plus mm-hmm. community yeah. like one that she was a part of so and I, heterosexuals right the rest of you so i think like around this time like her work kind of takes an interesting turn um she does start to depict um in quote what rep says like the hopelessness um mm. that's going on in berlin during the great depression yeah a lot was happening in the city at that time crime was rampant suicide rate was really high um people fascism was yeah coming up it was up I and mean, coming the third Reich. Yeah, by by nineteen thirty one unemployment was at its highest. Um and the city was suffering. The people were suffering. I think like her as an artist, she was feeling it. Mm-hmm. And she's depicting it a lot in um in her work at this time. It it her work seems very somber. Yeah. Um, um and I so agree. Yeah, so she's still she's still the two that we're going to talk about next are yeah. both sort of bar scenes. Right. Mm. Um, you know, naturally, what do you think when you see, when you hear bar scene, what are you thinking? You're thinking people, they're, they're Bars. Happy, they're drunk, whatever. Um, but they're these, not. They're, they're not happy. No. So the, yeah, so sort of the contrast between her depiction of heterosexual couples and... A lot of the texts that I came across referred to these works as female friendships. Ooh. But that <laughs> sounds like a misinterpretation I to mean, me. I mean, no shit. These, like, these chicks were dating. Like, yeah, they're, they're holding hands. Yeah, and that's like, Hold that's, on. wow. Well, we have talk to break about, it down. So first, so first we'll talk about, like, I just want to point out that history is in fact, and no. history is told through the lens of another human being. Yeah, so 1931, Café Roman, and then Two Women Dancing, 19... 19- 28. Um, so Cafe Roman is basically um, a heterosexual couple, and they look 
fucking weak, man. And they, they look dissatisfied. They look very anything. unhappy. They are like sitting um, at a table. She's very slumped. His eyes are like super slumpy. They slumpy. Got, they got beverages, but they don't look like they're enjoying themselves. Yeah, they have. Yeah, they're. Yeah. They're detached from one another mm-hmm. and from their surroundings. Mm-hmm. Even though it is a crowded composition, you don't see other people the way you right. do in a lot of her other illustrations. Mm-hmm. It's just the two of them. It's a very muted piece, too. She has her arm. The woman has her arms crossed, yeah. and the man has, like, his hand on his head. It's and not inviting. Yeah, it's very pessimistic. Yeah, it's a terrible piece. I mean, like, it's beautifully done, but, like, ugh. Right, God. the relationships so are pretty sad. So sad. And then. And then, ladies and gentlemen. I love this. In contrast, this piece is Fire, honestly. It's, it's fire. Fire. So, um, 1928, um, before she did this uh, heterosexual piece, she uh, did a piece called Two Women Dancing. And goddamn, is it full of emotion. Yes, yeah, so one, one woman is facing away from us. You can see her profile. Mm-hmm. Very men. You mm-hmm. see that a lot in her work. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other person is facing towards us. And they're holding hands and dancing close. They're, like, obviously together. They're like, together. They're and dating. It's, it's so tender. <laughs> very beautiful. Very romantic. Very, very. There's like garland in the background. And they're both like you can, dressed in. You can feel the They're music. wearing dresses, the both of them. They, right. And there's color in this piece. Mm-hmm. A lot more color yeah, than the Café Roman. You, you, you see the turquoises. You and the see, oranges. Yeah, there's a, deep there's greens. A more, there's a variety in the palette in, in this piece. So you can see where her where her, her head was at. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you, you know priorities up in here, a lot of sure. and also the text. Wow, historians, mm-hmm. way to get it wrong. <laughs> they call these th- like these sort of subjects of hers like women together. Reb, it's getting dark in here. Not only oh, I should probably turn off the lights, right? <laughs> um, they call them not only erotic, which I sometimes disagree with, but they also call them. This is not an erotic. Piece. Yeah, they yeah they call I don't and friendly like it is a. F- friendlier but it's romantic yeah, like it's you feel love. like these women are in love oh. they're in love with each other yeah, and each other sure. wow get it i'm happy for the both of you yeah me too um <laughs> and wow get it. <laughs> and wow <laughs> um i yeah i think it's just like history dictates the way that we see things yeah, and i obviously. hope that we're in a place to really yeah. see we're, we're seeking truths mm-hmm, here mm-hmm, she's mm-hmm, self-described mm-hmm. lesbian so mm-hmm. Okay, so she's empathizing with the emotions of her fellow humans, especially her fellow women. So this is sort of my one of my favorite things. Between oh, 1931 yeah. and 1932, Memen was commissioned to illustrate plates for the songs of Belitis. Um, which was a collection of erotic and essentially lesbian poetry. Um, did you look this up? I did. But it was written by a man. Ah, oh, whack. Um, yeah. <laughs> wow. Let's talk about, like, the foremost <laughs> scholar on lesbianism, a man. I don't, wow. I don't get it. But he, so this guy, Pierre-Louis, um, claimed that he translated this text from ancient Greece. Um, so, yeah, so it was sort of written by a man, but not... Who knows? Uh, who knows? Right. This is what he claims. It was transcribed. Is that a word? Right, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, so he published these, this transcription <laughs> of right. this lesbian poem. 
lesbian poems, multiple, plural, um, in 1894. So she was commissioned by a gallerist, Wolfgang Gerlitt. Um, and it was supposed to be a, a one-woman show. But, like, this, these plates of this lesbian love story. Oh, I no. love. Wow. But, but, like clockwork. Wow. <laughs> if then in comes. In comes. Guess who? In Germany, in the 1930s, guess who arrives? The Nazis. The fucking Nazis. The fucking Nazis come about. Um, and they, Let's so, just... in 1933, the Nazis seized power over Berlin. Uh-huh. Um, and she was soon unemployed and the eight lithographs that she was commissioned to create for this you know man-made poetry um was they were banned banned, but i think also destroyed yeah yeah i so this i so i found a work um so they were destroyed i'm not sure so this plate i found but i'm not sure that it's from this work it definitely looks like it but it doesn't quite look like her work so it's hard to hard to pinpoint because there's a mystery. Especially artwork of this period, like of the whole degenerate art, a lot of it was destroyed, unfortunately. Yeah. And so she... So a lot of the publications that she was working for in Germany at the time were shut down, and other publications were replaced by them, but she refused to illustrate works for the Third Reich. Like she, she was anti-Nazi. She like, was anti-Nazi. Super anti-Nazi. What a stance. What a woman. Yeah, which yeah. is, okay, let's, it's nearly a hundred years later, and saying you're, you still have to say you're anti-Nazi. Yeah. How? How and why is that a thing? So, um, so she didn't want to comply with no, with Nazi um, cultural policies. She wasn't a and fascist. We all know what the cultural policies were. Um, so the Nazis denounced her mo- motifs, um, and they called her subjects um, like her subject matter Jewish. Meh. Yeah, because she was blatantly <laughs> disregarding the submissiveness of. Like female imagery, yeah, and she was blatantly a lesbian. Yeah. Like her work was 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 about romantic love between women, which is I wow, you go, yeah, get a girl, and yeah. So she she Boy. stopped working. <laughs> she stopped working um, in illustration during this time, and she was known after this period to sell handmade books from a cart on the street. So she was, I think, struggling again. But they call it an internal immigration where she just kind of became a recluse during the Nazi regime. Because you you couldn't protest the Nazis. You just died. You left or you died. You go to a camp. (laughs) <laughs> like that's right, and the then story. they kill you. That's yeah. it. There's yeah. there's no questioning them. So yeah, I think she turned away from mm-hmm. public life, and then she kind of she never stopped creating though. Even though she wasn't out and about, no one was out and about. She was still creating. Um. So. Her work in illustration, are we are we there yet? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Um, so eventually, no surprise here, her work in illustration um, came to an end. I think the war did some damage to her and her creative style. I think the war did some damage to everyone. To everything. And to yeah. Berlin, a lot changed. Yeah. Um, and art, you know, 
wasn't priority art, for a lot of people. Art was allowed to be one thing and nothing else. That's right. how fascism and right. Right. tyranny right. works. Um, so she switches gears a bit. Um, so in in you know the late 1930s to early 1940s, uh, she begins to make uh, some cubist paintings. Yeah, sort of in solidarity yeah. to the whole like degenerate art mm-hmm. show and um, Pablo Picasso. Oh my God, Pablo Picasso, which Reb hates, and I'm starting to Listen. hate because of Reb. Okay. I, I understand that like he was making I, get it. I, I get understand it. that he was making art that was new yeah. right yeah it's, it's it's cultural appropriation at its absolute finest have we done a fuck men yet fuck men <laughs> <laughs> everyone yeah. take their shot for the episode yeah. I've said this it. Is it this is it I we don't know a whole lot about Jean Mamen's life like I yeah. she was a lesbian self-described les- lesbian she only gave one interview right during her life we know later. nothing about like relationships I'm sure she Did was she have a lady she didn't she wasn't like like who was her steadman I don't know yeah I don't know well, what do we know Jean what a mystery Jean what a mystery yeah, but right. she, she I'm sure she was she was getting someone um, regular so she turned to cubism which mm-hmm. is nice. So she stopped exhibiting her work, but she did not stop creating. So she's, you know, doing a bunch of shit, you know? Um, and again, her style turned to cubism. Um, and she was very isolated. And she was just kind of being a loner loser. like most, <laughs> Working for her. <laughs> right, like most artists. Um so between 1935 and 1943, she makes a lot of Cubist works. Right. Um, three of her, three of the ones that are kind of diverse and interesting, are the Church of Winter, mm. the Church of Winterfell. No, fell to plates. That was a that was a Game of Thrones reference that you oh, didn't get. I don't watch it. I don't watch Game of Thrones. You're the only human in America. I did see the last episode though. Right. Right. Anyway, God. so the Church of Winterfell, not Winterfell, Winterfelds and Plots. Winterfelds and Plots. Um, is it plats. is a surprise surprise a church? <laughs> Whoa! Wow! It's a yeah. So it's very Cubist. Very Cubist. Her one of the rare works that we're going to talk about that don't feature a human in it. It's yeah. a it's a strict architectural landscape. Yeah. And it's piece. very beautiful. It is beautiful. It's very well done. If you looked at this and you looked at Death from 1916. Oh, which is so badass. Right. I mean, let's think back. Oof. Isn't it good? The Death piece. with tits. The Reaper. The, the Reaper. The Reaper with tits. Right. Damn, I missed that piece. She can breastfeed. Oh, my God. Fuck yeah. <laughs> breastfeed you on, oh my on rotting flesh. Gross. <gasps> we're Gross. Oh, we're okay, we'll do. I'll cut that out. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I gotta leave it. I'll cut that out. Now you have to leave it. Um, um, and then the next piece is Girl with a Cat, which is very like if you were taking a course in where you had to like right, exactly. copy a Picasso. Exactly. This would be it. Paint by number. That's a reference to that you probably don't know. Oh, I'm sorry. That's Excuse a, that's me. That's a goodwill hunting reference. No. Uh, Robin Williams, Matt Damon. Woo-woo. Wow. Cut that out. So, girl. <laughs> <laughs> Cut that out. Okay. Girl with cat. 
This is another cubist piece, and it's like super basic, bitch. Like it's a little basic. Yeah. There's but nothing. she's working. The next her one ideas. I like. The next yeah. one I mm-hmm. really like. So, girl with a cat is super like plain Jane cubism. There's a cat. There's a girl. Like pretty basic. It's the color that her color scheme is also very Picasso. Yeah, it's very, very like, Picasso. Mm-hmm. Very uh, muted. Not very. It doesn't. You don't see anything about her in this in this piece. No, I don't. There's like nothing that says like mm, there's creative. But what I think is important is that she wasn't afraid to learn from other people and to make mistakes. Like, she took this time in her career to sort of work through what she wanted to. Yeah. She's, like, getting over a hump, you know? Yeah. Like, the fucking war. There's Nazis. Hello. Like, there's Nazis now, and it's a troblin'g time. Okay, she was painting, blah, blah, blah. Her building was hit by a bomb. Yeah. And much of her work and personal belongings were destroyed. Like, And she still worked. She's like, fuck it. Yeah, fuck it. So we can forgive her for that piece. And she, so yeah, so another one of her cubist pieces is Lysander Nab. And I love this one. It's a good one. Her color scheme, this color scheme is very Memen. Very Memen. Now we're getting back to her, like, Art Nouveau. But um, the color scheme is a lot, it's different than what, you know, we've seen in the last couple years that she's been doing. Mm -hmm. Like. We got light blues, we got pinks, we got oranges, we got some pale greens. More of her, like, illustrative work. Right, right. So, after the war in the 1940s, she begins exhibiting again. Exhibiting. Listen. (laughs) She begins exhibiting. (laughs) Rude. So, she begins exhibiting (laughs) again, and she she uses unconventional... You see? (laughs) Unconventional materials in her work. So she starts experimenting. She's like, fuck it. So she's she's using wire, strings, freaking garbage, like from the streets of the of bombed out Berlin. Of bombed out Berlin. So now we're getting into like Which was the epicenter of Germany at the time. So these materials are starting to get personal. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Her works are starting to to be less academic and more like she's expressing something. Well, she's not making these pieces to make money yeah. the way that she was with her illustrations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And at the time, well, so like during the 1940s, what happened in 1945 was the end, effective mm. end of World War II yeah. with um, Hitler's suicide and right. the the Battle of Berlin. Right. And But the, the wall doesn't get constructed until the 60s. Yeah, the wall comes later, okay. but... Um, she stayed in Berlin during this entire time. She was in Berlin during World right. War II and during the building so, of the Berlin Wall. So the war ends, but Berlin is still going through it. So Post-war Berlin is not an easy place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I think Berlin at any time. Yeah. Cue the Atomic Blonde oh, fucking soundtrack. Uh, oh my god, love that. Goodbye horses. Um, okay, so <laughs> all right, all right. Anyway, moving on. I forgot what we were um, talking about. So Berlin is going through it. He's, it's going through it. It's going through so, it. So is it time for um, a small, a small history. history break? Okay, so do you We're not going to go into the whole World War II. Listen, no. Nazis are bad. Yeah, it happened. The Allied powers. It, we can't. Did we win? Did Who won? No one. No one no, won. We, it, we all lost. We all lost. We all lost. To be, to be true. Shit just, um, yeah. But Berlin was so the center art, of it. Art, art history. Boop, boop, boop. 
Yeah. See? Yeah. <laughs> that one was a lot longer. Um, um, so, bump, go. Art history. I don't listen. I don't know. So, the Allied Band. <laughs> listen. <laughs> listen, I don't know anything. Do it. I've never known anything less. Talk about Berlin. In, do I want to talk about Berlin? At the end of the, at the end of World War II, are we going to talk about, I guess we can talk about that later. But, okay, so World War II ends with Hitler's suicide, right. but. The Battle of Berlin happens, all takes place. The Soviet army comes in, swoops in, is larger than the rest of the Allied forces combined, takes control of the city instead of, like, facing up to his war crimes and crimes against humanity, Hitler kills himself or, or if runs away to Portugal for, for or whatever. <laughs> who watched Paraguay? Like, hunting, like searching for Hitler. Right. Um whatever. He's listen. What do we know? He he shot himself in that. But there's a whole like <laughs> they never found that gun. Oh, like the body someone, wasn't there. Us, you like that. know that like a Soviet Union officer was like, I'm gonna take the gun. That'll be cool. I mean, and hello, it's like <laughs> duh, the gun is Somewhere, okay? I believe in the stupidity of, like, one man over, like, a huge conspiracy theory. They say they can't, they never found the body. That's what they say. That's the point. It wasn't like when fucking... um, Mussolini? Mussolini, yeah. Yeah. It wasn't like people weren't decapitating him in the streets. Right, 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 right. Um different kind of fascism. You know white guys, they get better. They get better rap. Oh yeah, for sure. Um white men. That's rap. my that's my we'll do a longer one for the Berlin Wall, yeah. which I think is a little bit more yeah. Um, contemporary. A super contemporary. The Berlin Wall was constructed in the 60s. So um so yeah. So around this time she's beginning to be way more expressive. Uh-huh. She's experienced she's experimenting a lot more with abstract and very melancholy subject matter. Um mm-hmm. using work, these unco- unconventional materials. Yeah, so using like we're in Project Runway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so she make it work. It's it's really personal at this point and it's yeah. again it's much more abstract it's way more um up for interpretation yeah but it is also still with the times and still the yeah. styles um so people artists uh, around this time um they are they are creating similar works yeah sort of collages very yeah. cubist very yeah. geometric yes. geometric Based on form and yeah. shape. There's some abstraction there. Minimal. But again, yeah. um, it is a mix of like a personal style, but also with the academic trends that's happening. Yeah. Um, and so the two pieces. Which is still, for me, very interesting because she's still competing with men. Yeah. And at the time, it was men that were dominating the art world. It's um, still men dominating the I art mean, world, to be fair. To be fair. <laughs> Unfortunately. Damien Hurst is us. I hate Damien Hurst. Uh, Let's put a shark in a tank. Uh, Come on, sell it for millions of dollars. It's a concept. <laughs> don't wow. make me laugh. Right. Talk about uh, groundbreaking. Anyway, I don't like talking about men. All right. So, the two pieces that we we're going to talk about. Um, Wait, didn't we her just found material? It? Well, we didn't like say the pieces. Oh, so okay, eye okay. to eye. And trumpet. Okay. So, so like, right. still very cubist, right. but with found materials. Right. Minimal. Yeah. Limited colors. Very personal. Um, very abstract. Super up for interpretation. 
um, different, like different than what we've ever seen. She, mm-hmm. She's she's definitely experimenting. Yeah. Um, she's she's Which looking is, between the lines. I think. In the 1940s, she was in her. 50s. Like, she's still willing to oh, yeah. grow and learn as oh, a yeah. person. She's like, fight it. Yeah. Um, she's like, fight it. Fuck um, um. So, 1950s, she sort of turns in on herself again. She's mm. she's not concerned with the ideological dis- discussions of contemporary art. I think she... I think she's concerned with humanity, but I don't think that she likes the idea of the of the bourgeoisie, like the people who would be collecting art at the time. I think she she thinks she looks down on them. Right. So she turns in on herself again. Mm. And um I think it might be time for another art history, history break. break. Yeah, We're doing some very close to each other because yeah. Berlin um went through some some yeah, shit. Yeah. So uh so I don't know a lot. Listen, I know nothing. Burr, burr, burr. Burr, burr. I know nothing. I'm sure. I mean, we know. What I'm we not going to talk for you, we but know. you don't know anything either. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, all we really know is that in 1960s, shit was going down in Berlin so much so that there was a wall constructed. Yeah. So n- <laughs> a wall. <laughs> what? what a new concept. Whoa. Where are we building oh, another God, wall today? Me. Another fascist Whoa. wall. Where are we? In 2019. Wow, it's a thing. It's a thing. It's a thing. We have a, so, we have a, um, talk a fascist. To us. Talk to us about house. this wall. Um, so about this wall. Okay, I'll <laughs> talk to you about this wall. Don't get me riled up. <laughs> Do it. After World War II, Europe, but especially Germany, was in some trouble, which is the exact same thing that happened after World War One. Is like they they were like Germany, it's all your fault. Leave you to your own devices, and then here comes fascism. But I won't get into it. Right. So um, the Allied powers, the United States, the United Kingdom, France, and the Soviet Union, all sort of divided Germany amongst themselves, and uh, everyone sort of had their own control over things. And the rest of the Allied powers, besides the Soviet Union, wanted to give Berlin and Germany back their independence, and the Soviet Union wanted to use this in order to grasp more power. They wanted to uh, delay the reconstruction and continue occupying, make it harder for Germany to be self-sufficient again, Um, which I hope that the rest of the Allied powers realize that's a, that is what they did wrong during World War One. Right. But um, listen, go go listen to Dan Harmon's Harlan's hardcore <clears throat> history. Harmon is the guy; he's the one who who writes Rick and Morty. But the other one, <laughs> uh, <laughs> goes into a hardcore history. It's really good. Um, but yeah, the, so the Soviets wanted to control power, and they. We sort of refused the Allied powers' plans for reconstruction with the Marshall Plan and so on and so forth. So there became a division in 1961 between West Berlin and East Berlin. That's when the wall was put up. Um, West Berlin became part of the Soviet-controlled part of Germany, and which was also, like, Ukraine. And it was, like... 
I'm so surprised that Memen stayed during all of this. I'm assuming, because we know so little about her life, I'm assuming that she was on the east side of the wall because Mm -hmm. she did a lot of traveling later in her life. But it was a rough time. Yeah. She must have had some strong ties. Yeah. And um, so East Berlin was part of the German Democratic Republic. And... The and West Berlin was controlled by the Soviets, and the wall wall went up in 1961. Didn't come down until 1985. Question mark. I'm not sure. So shit's fucked up. So the poor lady's fucking living through this. She did not leave. She traveled a lot, like I said, but she was she was there for it. Oh yeah. Oh, she it was demolished in '89. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, so it's a long it's a long history. Berlin has some shit. Go watch Atomic Blonde. Go watch oh, yeah. a shaved head James McAvoy yeah. with a cigarette is yeah. is my Yeah. That's my Aside. sexual orientation. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I think a blonde Charlize there. <laughs> that's yours. That's... Every scene I'm like, wow, no, she's a like, she's a great actor. This woman? Oh, oh my god, and she's Dude, she's a uh, dude. Dude, let's let's talk. Let's do an episode on Charlie's there. Goodbye, home. Yes. <laughs> we should go totally listen to Psychedelic Furs. Can we play that song? So between 1960 and 1975, Mamen traveled extensively, and sort of, I think, blended all of her styles together. I think she really started coming into her own. Yeah. In this period. She wasn't copying Picasso and Brock. She was doing her own thing. So she started collaging again because she already collaged with her, like, found materials. Right. um, With the wire and the pieces of concrete. Um, So she's assembling, like, chocolate wrappers and sweets into compositions on glossy paper. Um, They're still deeply symbolic, kind of what she did... In the, like, 1910s, 1914, 1916, with, like, death. Yeah. With, with um, death with tits. And um, so she, in 1969, she took a trip to Morocco. Hmm. Sort of an eat, pray, love excursion. Oh, boy. <laughs> and yeah. uh, How old is she at this point? 69. Whoa. She was born in, so she's 79. Wow. Uh-huh. Get it, my man. So she crossed the Sahara with friends, and during this trip, um, one of those friends became ill and was really close to dying. So sort of in response to this experience of hers, she created Fata Morgana. It's another sort of separate composition, very different from her earlier work. Like, lots of lines, similar color palette. It's Um, still an abstract piece. Very abstract. Um, But it, there's, like, spaces, you know, it's... It's, It's like, orange, yellow background. It's it's also still up for our interpretation. She's leaving it up to us, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's still supposedly depicting... um, her experiences in yeah. Morocco. And she, so yeah, the, there's a white hand um, and a lily displaying peace and the Muslim hand of fate, which is thought to keep away bad luck. Um, so she was sort of using these Eastern influences and in her work and yeah, deeply symbolic yeah. again. 
Mm-hmm. I think even though a lot of her work was detached, I think she's an emotional person. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's, especially since we, like, don't know much about her, per se. We don't know much. So, also during this period, she was translating poetry. Mm. Which is cool. Because she spoke French and German, mm-hmm. definitely. I think she also spoke English. Mm. So, she says she's smart. She's smart. She's smart. She's smart. Um, yeah, so the and work. And then, like, the last works of her life um, basically kind of is, is like, it's a accumulation of, like, all her styles mm-hmm. um, and what she's learned throughout her life. Um, the piece, this this last piece we're going to talk about is from 1967. Um, and Which it's was called, made before Fata Morgana. Right. Oh, mm-hmm. so Fata Morgana is the last piece, but but it's still the still last we're piece we're going to talk about is Photogen Manachen. You can feel her. I think this one, you this one especially, is an accumulation of mm-hmm. all of her styles, mm-hmm. all of her color palettes that came before it. I think it's deeply symbolic. I think it's connect connected to like human experiences, and I think. It is harmonious and mm. still minimal, but refined. Right. Yeah. It's super strong in color. It's uh-huh. strong overall. It's a very full piece. Perfect. <laughs> um, Perfect. Yeah, it's tactile. It's spiritual. Mm-hmm. It's still um, abstract. Still abstract. And it was exhibited... And so she was exhibiting a lot sort of towards the later part of her life. She had, like, her first major retrospective um, in honor of her 80th birthday. Baby girl. Um, And then she had a solo exhibit um, of her sketchbooks and watercolors pre-1915 and the 1920s. And then I think she kind of felt a little bitter about her, the fact that her illustrations were more popular than her what she her like more I think she felt work. more legitimate artwork. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um but there I mean when you make commercial art, of course it's gonna be more palatable. Mm-hmm. Even though she was making I think she was making really pioneering artwork about like lesbianism and yeah. love and female empowerment. Even yeah. even if that wasn't a hundred percent her intention, even if she was just making things that was were asked of her, I think she brought that to the yeah, table. Yeah, for sure. Pretty fucking impressive. Pretty. Um, yeah, so she only gave one interview, which I think is why we don't know fucking yeah. fuck all about her. Um, but she, of this, she said, you should always write that my works were created between 1890 and 1975, instead of just including dot, dot, dot. I always wanted to be just a pair of eyes that quietly walked around the world in order to observe others. I think that's, yeah, indicative of how she was. Very humble. We know shit about her, but maybe she was humble. I think she was humble. She sounds like she might. I'd like to think we would like to sit down. Jean Mamen... In 1976, she died in Berlin, mm-hmm. um, and then her friends founded the Ziana Mamen, uh-huh. um, the Ziana Mamen Society, and now her studio is a small museum uh, with a permanent exhibit of her works. Um, she is well, tragically undervalued. Yeah, and like really not. 
talked about at all. No. Yeah, I hope you guys learned some shit about her and um, really appreciate it. Yeah, and someone like, working through Google really her. Tough we'll, times. We'll post um, the works we talked about on our Instagram page, um, and she. Yeah, I think Maman was a fucking cool. Yeah. Cool woman. Badass chick. Badass woman. She, she's she's it. She can do it. She can do it. She can, she can get it. Um, yeah. Illustrator, artist. Piney. ATC. Survivor. Survivor. Um, this has been the Art Broadcast. Follow us. Rate, review, oh, yeah. and subscribe. Only if it's positive. You can, I mean, we'll take your criticisms to heart. Is it that we should? They should tell us to our face. <laughs> just send us a DM. Slip into our DMs. Yeah, exactly. Um, but Ooh. yeah, thanks for listening. Thank you. Um, and see you, bitches, later. And we're off. Good night. Good night. <laughs>